Transcending the Veil. So my name is Rachel Pearson and it's funny, it's strange, how do you describe yourself and what you do? I guess I'll lead with, I have started a little spiritual brand called The Simple Psychic, um, where I am a medium and I do card readings and I've just started my little online space with The Simple Psychic, which essentially will be helping others to understand spirituality on a much more grounded and simplified level without all these crazy big words and explanations. It is just very, very simplified, which, you know, I guess my target audience with that is helping those that are just starting their journey or are just kind of figuring out what spirituality is or what their own gifts are. Yeah. And where are you based? I'm based in London in the United Kingdom. Right. Sunny London. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that usual yet you have sunshine in, in the UK, is it? No, today's an exception. Today's very <laughs> lovely. Yesterday it was raining quite heavily, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to um, your, let's call it psychic studies, uh, what what is one misconception that people have about this kind of work? Do you know what? I think people are either one end of the spectrum or the other, and I like to place myself in the middle. So people are either extreme realists and very scientifically minded and very skeptical. And then you have what I call the woo-woo people, which are very, very open and very, you know, they they kind of disregard science and, and they disregard evidence and they are just hardcore believers without the sides merging. I like to place myself in the middle so, you know, I'm a bit of a skeptic myself with this line of work. I think it's healthy that you, you should be. You should always be seeking evidence, you should always be seeking answers, and should always be able to explain what you're doing in the most grounded and scientific way as possible. Um, yeah, so I think a big misconception about this line of work is definitely people believing without having any any explanation to what they're doing or having such solid faith which there's nothing wrong with that but I think in today's modern world you need to have some sort of explanation with anything that you're doing. And do you think um, culture or religion has uh, key factors or some you know does that influence people's attitude towards this kind of work do you think? A hundred percent. I think I think these days we're coming into a bit of a shift in terms of spirituality where it is much more accepted and people are much more open to new age topics or, or you know, new ways of healing the body. You know, we're moving away from Western medicine and turning more towards natural remedies and stuff. So I think in that aspect, we are much more open these days, but people are still religious. Religion definitely still has a place to play in all of this and and I think that's also a huge factor in people not believing in what we do or or questioning whether it's coming from a place of good or a place of bad. Yeah I I totally agree with that one. Yeah. Um, Let's dive into your uh, personal background and all this because um, the phone call we had a few days ago you told me that it's almost running in the family isn't it? So could you Could you tell a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I actually had a phone call with my mother this morning asking her if she could kind of 
you know, explain some things that happened to me when I was younger that I may not remember as clearly as, as she would. And one thing she brought up was, so I used to have night terrors. I don't know if you have, you know what those are. It's, it was a basically a year long nightmare that I'd have every single night. And it was nothing scary to what I remember now. I just remember being surrounded by these huge 3D spheres, which now I know to be orbs, um, of feeling very claustrophobic and very almost trapped because they were just everywhere around me. And this was in my dream state. Um, I don't remember the waking up crying and being fearful, but my mother does very clearly because you know she had to deal with it nearly every single night for 12 months straight. Um, looking back on that, I mean, that was under the age of five as well. So very, very young. Looking back at that and knowing what I do now and having experienced what I have now, I believe that was probably my first encounter with spirit and them building a connection with me or introducing themselves to me. But of course, I was far too young and was was quite terrified. Another memory I have very clearly was for a long time, I used to share a bed with my mother when I was very little. We don't, I couldn't sleep without being in my mother's bed. And she would be fast asleep or reading her book next to me. And I'd be wide awake watching all these shadow figures playing around my mother's room. They weren't my size. They weren't, they were in human form, but not human size. And they were probably about this big. What's that like half a, maybe half a meter, very small. And there would be maybe 20 or 30 of them in the room. And I wasn't scared of them. They never approached me, but they were just always around me. One day that stopped. I don't know when it stopped. I don't know why, but that gift of seeing went. Um, and another vivid memory I have was years and years later, I was in my bed getting ready to sleep, was very, very relaxed. And it was in my left ear and I wasn't listening to the television. I didn't have any music playing in my left ear as though someone was beside me. I almost felt the breath. It was multiple voices at the same time whispering, clear as day, but only in one ear. So I've flown out of bed, I've run downstairs, very confused and a bit scared of what was happening. And I told my grandmother, I call her nanny, but she's my grandmother. Um, she was almost smiling when I told her and she responded, I said, nanny, you know, I've just had this, What what's going on, what's happening? And with a slight smile on her face, she told me she knew this day would come and she'll tell them to stop. Now, I didn't question it because I just wanted it to go away. So I didn't say, who is it? What's going on? Um, and I've never heard the voices since. Unfortunately, I'd love to hear them now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I'm able to know what they are and not to be scared of them. I wish I could hear them, but I can't. That's not my gift at the moment. That's hearing has gone. Seeing has gone. I'm now clairsentient. So I feel. Um, yeah. So I never really questioned my grandmother's response. I always just thought, OK, well, nanny's going to pray to the god and, and make it stop and she did and it was years after my grandmother had passed away that I started to discover that actually my grandmother was a medium herself and she would hold readings in my house and I was never allowed to go downstairs when nanny had her friends over mm -hmm. um you know she would she'd shut the front door they'd go into a very beautiful relaxed candle lit and my, my grandmother always had crystals everywhere she had crystal chandeliers and crystal candle holders and she loved her crystal I just thought it's because she's a bit posh but now I know it's the energy raising in the room and you know all right. that stuff um so yeah I could never interrupt nanny with her friend meetings now I know she actually had clients and was doing readings for them
Yeah. And at what point did you realize that you were interested in this kind of work as well? That's what led you to that path? There's multiple things that led me in my curiosity to this path. And I'd say from a very young age, I was raised as a Catholic, but I never really had a firm belief in in one God. I always had a curiosity of the afterlife and what happens when we die. And, you know, at one point I was so curious that I wanted to be um, a mortician. So I wanted to work with those that have passed over and strange, strange where life takes you and your curiosities take you. But I've always had a solid curiosity of what happens when we pass. And even in terms of religion, when I ever asked that in Sunday school, you know, it was shut down completely and we went to heaven and that was that. It was never explanations to what happens. Um, so, you know, after years of being curious and after my grandmother had passed away, I started to have more experiences with signs and symbols so white feathers would fall on the doorstep but there'd be no birds nearby or those little things that you relate to spiritual experiences started happening to me anyway eventually I was being drawn and like pulled in every direction to visit my first medium and I was so curious to connect with my grandmother and you know to see what it really was all about and I visited my first medium, who I'm still friends with to this day. I think I was 20 when I first met him. and I'm now 26. So six years later, we're still good friends. Um, and one of the first things he said to me when I he opened the door and I stepped forward, he said, I've got your mother's mum with me. Described her image perfectly, described the way she passed away. And that when I was like, wow, OK, this is, <laughs> this is something that I can, you know, I can vibe with this. And one of the key things he said to me, despite all the evidence, he mentioned what I used to see when I was younger. He said, you used to see shadow figures when you were very young. I've never told anyone that out of fear of being called crazy. I know yeah, I'm not. Really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think visiting my first medium was pivotal in me developing my own gifts. And I've been developing them since the age of 20. So six years. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, very impressive. And I met you this year in um, at the Arthur Finley College. Yes, we did. And when we did a course together on um, trans mediumship for beginners, I believe it was. Yes, it was. Was that your first visit to uh, the college? It was my second. So I'd actually visited the previous year um, doing a mediumship course for the, for the week which was amazing. It was with Sharon and Angie as well, our tutors that we had in our course. Um, and we dabbled along some trance mediumship. We were introduced to it then. And I was like, wow, okay, this is something that I want to dive a bit more into. So for yeah. people who don't know what the Arthur College is, can you explain what it is? It is, I believe their tagline on the website is the world's foremost college for psychic sciences. Some, let me get it up so I can actually read it to you properly. But essentially, the Arthur Finlay College is, I've heard it be described as the Hogwarts for psychics. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I think it's known globally for that within the, you know, the psychic community and the mediumship community. Um, I think the Arthur Finlay is where you go to really, if you haven't yet expanded on your gifts, you will do after a stay at the Arthur Finlay. You will experience 
like-minded people in one space which I've never experienced before he will experience the tutors that are just beyond experts in their fields you have the opportunity to cover so many different topics in this umbrella of spirituality and and development with mediumship skills and psychic skills from trance which I'd never heard of before my first week and now I'm like wow I want to develop this you know evidential mediumship platform mediumship there's just so many there's reiki healing there's trance healing which I never knew was a thing you know it's 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 where you go to discover your gifts and to develop them and I've actually just found the tagline and the Arthur Finley College described himself as the world's foremost college for the advancement of spiritualism and psychic sciences. So there you go. Yeah. And I can say, apart from it's a very beautiful place, and we were there in January when it was quite cold. Um, but I could see on the walls there were like this like hall of fame, very famous mediums on the wall and I also believe you you did some um, uh, let's call it paranormal investigation in in at nighttime, didn't you? I did. Yes, we're not really allowed to, but I like <laughs> to break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that about? What did you uh, try to achieve, and so what did you do? It was actually so. Oh, it's my second time visiting and my second time breaking the rules to uh, explore things for myself. Um, my first time visiting, I was told that the library was you know one of the most active or haunted spots in the whole grounds um the nighttime security man actually told me that himself that he had experiences with the library where all the students were in bed there was no external noise going on and he had almost a party happening in the library which you know he, he knows the grounds are very active with spirit and he was a little bit spooked so he, he told me he walked up to the library and he could hear you know like an old record player playing and he could smell cigars being smoked and and glasses being clanged together he could hear an old-fashioned party he opened the door and there was nothing in there it went it, I'm getting goosebumps oh my goodness <laughs> So, of course, hearing that story, I was like, right, I'm going to the library at night. I'm going to go and figure it all out. So I gathered a group of us, my first visit of the Arthur Findlay. And, um, you know, we all had different gifts. I can sense when spirit are near with my solar plexus. I can I can really feel when they're near. Someone else I was with could see spirit very vividly as, as the way I'm looking at you right now. And um, another lady we were with was able to go into the trance state and communicate. So we were a pretty good team to go and explore. Um, we went to the library. We held a mini seance, which is very against the rules, but shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that I could smell, I could smell the cigar smoke. I could smell. I I, I get whenever I'm somewhere active, I get this very heavy presence sense on me and I can it smells musky almost I know the building's very old but it had that very musky smell and I could smell smoke now nobody around me was a smoker it was probably midnight or 1am so nobody was up smoking um someone I was with could see a woman in a white long flowy dress and we did a seance and um we actually um was it Gordon Higgins or Arthur Finley themselves 
had spoken through this woman that could go in the trance state. So that was the first time I explored. And then the time when we were both at the college at the same time, I did the same thing. I rallied up some troops and I said, let's go break the rules and explore. Um, and this time I had my dowsing rods, which traditionally dowsing rods are used to detect water on grounds. Um, they're also used in paranormal investigations to detect when spirit are nearby. And I've used them to connect with my grandmother who's passed and I get some quite evidential responses from them. So I brought those along and we actually did some table tipping, which I'd never done before. Can I, can I ask you a, a simple question? Like these dowsing rods, uh, what are they? Are they just um, one of those hangers you use for your shirt and then you just... <laughs> What is it? Essentially, I guess, yeah, I guess you could call them that. So what they are, they are made of copper, solid copper. Um, I wish I had them near me, I'd show you. But to describe them with words, they are made of copper and they're these two rods bent at a 90 degree angle. So you hold the handles and I hold them very steady. And within these handles, there is room for movement for the external wire to bend or to point. Mm -hmm. So I hold them very firmly so that my own, you know, you, you you can manipulate these things yourself. So the skeptic in me comes out very strongly when using these because I think, oh, goodness, did I flinch? Has my hand moved? So hence why I hold them like this very firm. So there is no room for accidental movement. And I will connect with spirit and I'll invite spirit from the light only into my space. And I will then start to ask questions like, You know, I say, Nanny, if you're with me, could you please cross for yes or open for no? It may take a while for the energy to build up. You know, it does with doing our work anyway. Um, and eventually these will start to move according to what questions you ask. Now, what I like to ask as well, just to get some evidence for myself to know that I'm not making these movements myself, I will ask if there's an energy with me, could you please point the rods to where your energy is? Okay. I will ask this throughout the whole time of using these rods and every single time and get goosebumps again every single time these rods move to the energy that they showed me in the first place and I will always get some sort of physical sensation where this energy is whether it's goosebumps on my arm or my hairs will tingle or my head will tingle or I'll see a little flicker of light so that's what the dowsing rods are yeah. that's how I use them. Right. Then uh, I interrupted you when you started talking about the table tipping. Can you continue from there? Yeah, so God, that was that was amazing. So I'd heard of table tipping, but of course the skeptic in me thinks, well, somebody's got to be lifting it and the others are just like, wow, oh my God, amazing. It's real, it works, I've experienced it. Now I know firsthand table tipping is a phenomena that is just, that that is physical mediumship evidence at its core. So. And can you explain what is it? How do you uh, touch the, the table? It's um we had a little round table in the library that was already there. You know, we went amongst the women saying, should we do it? Shouldn't we? And we were like, yeah, let's just give it a go. Let's see if it works. Um, Somebody that we were with had done table tipping before. So what you do, you get your two index fingers very lightly underneath the table. So there's no, you know, Don't put any force underneath it, just so your energy is in that table, which people listening to this are going to be like, what? Give it a go and just, you know, figure it out. But your two index fingers go under the table. Um, I think there should be around 
minimum three or four of you just to build that energy up um and then we just started asking questions and we'd ask the table to rock for yes or go side to side for no and by the end of it and i i I feel like i'm a crazy person saying this but this is literally what happened by the end of it this table was leading us around the room we were following this table that had lifted off the ground and yes we all had our fingers under so yes you know subconsciously I, i suppose we could have been lifting it but the way this table was leading us around this great big room i was just in shock and the spirit we were trying to communicate with. I won't say the lady's name because she doesn't want me to, to speak of her experience, but I can I can say the experience without saying who she is. Her um her parent had passed away. Um and we were trying to connect with this parent that she had lost. And all the questions were leading up to, you know, describing this parent. And at the end, when we'd followed the table all the way around the room, the table poured in her lap as though the table was giving her a hug, which sounds crazy, but witnessing it brought a tear to all of us because it was it, it was amazing. It was really, really amazing to witness. Yeah. Yeah. And did, did you bring a phone as well to, to record this? I did record some of it. Um, I don't know if I recorded the table tipping, but I do have a photograph. I bought my Polaroid film camera because I was trying to capture orbs that night as well, which I did on my phone um and i caught some sort of distortion in my film photography too which i i can show you later i can scan it in and send it to you um i got a photo at the end of the table almost hugging this woman and this woman hugging the table uh, but no footage of the table moving itself right which i wish i did because it, it was it, it doesn't sound believable well i'm i'm quite open-minded on <laughs> these topics yeah. but it's taken me a while to uh, to trust uh, those kind of experiences same yeah um i i've seen some of the footage uh i believe that was from this room and i saw uh, orbs flying around as well so the skeptic in me also says well that is just dust particles picked up by the flashlight of the camera mm-hmm. how do you see it I often see it the way you see it because I too am a skeptic. I think it's the healthiest way to be in this, I don't want to say industry, but in this lifestyle, you have to question things because you want the evidence. You can't just believe everything that you're told. That would, it's not human of us to do so. Um, So yeah, there's been times where I've captured orbs and I've thought, well, you know, it must be a dusty room or it's a very old building, the Arthur Findlay. It's it's really old and, you know, it's kept in good condition. But of course, it's going to get dust, dusty. Um, I think whenever I get things at the Arthur Findlay, I do question whether it's dust. Whenever I get things in my own environment or I get things in photos. I think, wow, OK, because often when i do a seance on my own in my own home i'll ask my nanny to show herself as orbs and near enough as soon as i ask that orbs will appear and they will be big so i think yeah a lot of the time i do think it is dust but a lot of the time i think if you ask the right questions and you look back at the footage or the photographs you can then kind of put the story together yourself do you know what i mean right what do you think those orbs are like 
do you see lots of them? Are they entities or are they just like a representation of a spirit or a consciousness being present or? I believe orbs are just one of the ways where spirit can manifest and show themselves without using too much of their own energy. To say there's not a lot of energy in the room, I believe that's quite a simple way for them to show themselves. I believe they are souls. I believe they are spirits. Um, and I also believe the difference between the dust and the orbs are simply the way they will fall. So dust has quite rapid motion. I think orbs, when I've experienced them, now sometimes they are faster, but I think they they will appear bigger and they will glide and move the way dust wouldn't. That makes sense. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. When was your first time experiencing these orbs? Seeing them? Yeah. Oh my goodness. When was the first time? I don't know if I could describe the first time, but there's been a few times where I've been just completely blown away. Um, one of those times is I live with my grandfather, who's 90 now, and I help to care for him. And in his bedroom, I have almost, it's like a baby monitor camera, so I can make sure he's okay whenever I'm out of the house. And this camera has a sensor to movement. So whenever there's movement in the room, I will get a notification on my phone and I can view the footage in real time and see who's in the room, what's going on. Is it the cat? Is it a carer? Is it my granddad? It was very late at night. The television was off in his room but I kept getting notifications of movement and I was like okay do I need to call the police and go and see who this is so I've checked the footage and all I can see is probably about 20 or 30 orbs moving so slowly around the room the cats were in with me there was nobody in the house with my grandfather he was fast asleep but all I could see were these gorgeous glowing orbs and, and the camera picked them up and I've got, I'm sure I've got the footage somewhere on my phone that I can show you as well. But that's the time that stands out to me. And funnily enough, my grandfather often says at night, his mother visits him or his son who unfortunately passed away will visit him or all these people that are in spirit, he says are often with him. So seeing those orbs and knowing what he's told me, I thought was just beautiful. Oh, definitely. I've seen pictures of these orbs and inside of them, you could actually see the head of a person or a cat. Really? Yeah. Wow. I haven't seen that, but I'll zoom in and see if I can. Yeah, That's certainly. Amazing. Yeah, you should study them. It's, it's quite yeah. amazing what they pick up. Wow. Yeah. Um, so um, you said you were in your 20s, mid 20s. Um, and you've started your, let's call it psychic studies, six years ago. Yes. Um, how has that kind of interest, um, how are you able to balance, um, you know, business life and the, the psychic studies? How, how is that balance going? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think the reason my journey has taken so long is because I'm an all in or nothing kind of person. I'm either really engrossed by something and, and, I, and I put all my energy into it, but then I'm easily distracted. And then life kind of knocks me off my spiritual path because you know we're humans at the end of the day. 
and human life gets in the way of a lot of things that we wish it didn't but it's just it's just life um there's been moments in the past six years where I've completely abandoned it because of external problems or or everyday life or partners and relationships or having to focus on my career or you know those outside things do interfere but I feel like now I've kind of got the balance well I'm doing two circles every month um could you explain what, what a circle is for people that don't know what that is yeah so it's essentially a meeting held in either a spiritual place or you can hold it in somebody's home led by a medium that has been doing this work for many many years and knows how to you know not control the situation but to keep everybody learning and safe um and it's basically just a safe space where you can develop your gifts and explore them so what i did in a circle a couple of weeks ago was um oh goodness what's it called it's when you pick up energy from objects um, um yeah i understand what it, i can't remember the word yeah i'd either but we would we were doing this so we brought in a photograph and without looking at the photograph we had to pick up the energy of the person in the photograph and describe them and then bring forward their soul and describe what they were like um or a lot of the time you can just sit there talking about experiences it's just a safe space for like-minded people who are on this path to develop and and spend time with each other is there um uh, like a facilitator there, like a teacher that tells you how to work? Yes. So I am part of my um, my local spiritualist church's circle. So we have um, Ronnie is his name. He is the medium that holds the circles and that guides us through learning. So, so the teacher. And I'm also part of a circle with the medium that I first saw when I was 20, um where he is the teacher in this group but he very much likes to take a back seat and let us learn from ourselves whereas the one in the church that i attend is learn and he does set things for us to do that day right what what have you uh, what has your experiences been in those kind of circles what have you uh, what have you learned and would you recommend it to others I would certainly recommend it to others that are wanting to explore this or, or have their own gifts that they're unsure how to, you know, develop or to, to understand. I think it's a very good environment for people that are learning and want to develop their gifts. Um, some of the things I've learned, one of the main things I've learned is, although we may be gifted, we still have a very human experience. So expecting perfection from yourself all the time is unrealistic whether i think it's good to aim for perfection in doing this work but we have to be kind to ourselves because there will be some weeks where i I blow myself away and i'm like wow i can actually do this and and i give solid evidence like i give names and dates and and describe someone perfectly and then the next week i'll be like yeah i can do this really full of myself (laughs) and i go in and spirit just don't give me anything so it's a humbling experience, um, one that I think we should all learn that we're working with a higher being, not to get too full of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, don't take life too seriously. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. 
Yeah. Um, in in Denmark, this um, concept of these uh, spiritualist churches is, I would say, just starting up, or at least my, um, I haven't really met any uh, such organizations or churches in Denmark. I know it's uh, slowly starting up, but in the UK, it's been there for ever. I think <laughs> yeah. I remember reading. Um, a book when I was in my 20s, uh, written by a, a, a British woman called Betty Shine. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned these kind of churches, uh, like it was just like a very common thing over there that people meet and, you know, they're teachers and you could learn a lot from them. And uh, I remember this, and this is, you know, many, many years ago, um, probably 30 years ago. And I was so jealous, like, why is this not? And I'm based in Copenhagen, Denmark. and is non-existent here. Slowly and slowly, it's it's. Uh, uh, I'm currently in in a circle as well, um, organized by uh, a couple that are both um, mediums. One of them is a trans medium and the uh, evidential medium, and the other is uh, what I call a clairvoyant, mm-hmm. and uh, both of them teach. So we go there uh, every second week, just to uh, yeah, just to train our abilities or remember our abilities, basically, because that's how I see it. Yeah, we are we are consciousness having human experiences. Exactly. Right? We just need to remember our skills because it's an inheritance. It's not something that we build up. It's just for me a, a matter of remembering. I how do you too. how do you see it? I I see it the same. I believe we are brought well we bring ourselves back to this earth with a kind of life purpose that for some of us it takes our whole life to remember why we're here in the first place um because like you say we are souls having a human experience so human life gets in the way and and unfortunately but also fortunately we go through it having to learn human lessons and eventually we're brought back to the reason we brought ourselves here and for those that are gifted I think a lot of people are actually gifted but we forget like you say um yeah I think it is a case of remembering and I actually think deja vu you you heard of deja vu right yeah yeah yeah. yeah I believe that is actually part of our souls remembering previous lifetimes or yeah, I don't. I, I don't think science explains it the way that it actually is. How do you explain deja vu to somebody that doesn't know what it is? Yeah. So deja vu is something that will occur when you. It's something that feels awfully familiar, as though you've literally just done it, and it's repeating itself again. Science has its own explanation, which I don't know, but I've heard. I don't remember, so I can't repeat it. My explanation for deja vu, I believe it to be something from a previous lifetime happening again in this lifetime, whether that's a lesson we have to learn again or the beginning of something that we have to go through again or just something that's happened to us before. I think it, I think it genuinely is that because that's exactly how it feels to everybody that experiences it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that resonates very well with me. That 
explanation. Um, going back to your um, your background and and what you want to do, um, we talked about when you had the phone call the other day that um, you're currently looking into the evidential mediumship, but you want to do something else on top of not but you, you want to do something more. So would you care to explain what you uh, thrive thrive for? Yes. So. I feel as though my life's purpose is to bring spirituality, not as a religion, but as a a means of life to those that are either just learning or are looking for more purpose in their life. I'm not looking to start a cult. <laughs> I'm not looking to make non-believers believers, but I just want people to have some sort of understanding into the afterlife and to the gift that mediums and psychics have and to kind of squash this this um how do you call it this um belief that people have about us as being scammers or con artists or you know we're we're preying on the weak and the grieving i just want people to be open-minded and to discover these beautiful, beautiful gifts that we receive in our everyday lives, whether there is a little white feather from someone up in heaven, if you want to call it, that's looking down on us, or whether you have a dream about a loved one that's passed over. I don't want people to shrug those things off. I think once you have an outlook on life that people that we've lost, I'm getting emotional, that people we've lost are still with us, life becomes a little bit easier life becomes more enjoyable there's less grief there's less sorrow there's less oh god well this is it what's the point life is to be enjoyed and 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 when we've been through this life there's so much more enjoyment on the other side that's what i feel my purpose is to enlighten people to realize this and i'm not saying everyone needs to see mediums i'm not saying everybody needs to get a pack of tarot cards and pull a card a day i just want people to be open to the possibility that there is more to life than this right so let's say um let's say that many of the people that we meet on the street today are looking constantly on their phones right so their head is buried in in this technology and um people might have forgotten their true essence yeah so um, I like, well, my current thinking is that people are very much in their mind and not so much in their heart. Yes, I agree with that. And I'm also quite guilty of that at times. Yeah, well, me too. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, trying to transition from the, yeah. the one foot journey, right, from mind to heart. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what um, in your experience, how would you... Do you know of any exercises how to get into your heart, like instead of being in your mind all the time? I think something that when I was practicing was extremely beneficial to me. But of course, you know, I, I fall off things um, like most people do. I think meditation. Now, we've heard that word thrown around by scientists and therapists and, and you know, reality TV stars. And it, it, meditation is such a thing in today's world and I think when we take the time to completely remove everything in our mind as hard as that may be turn your phone off for 20 minutes 
turn the TV for, off for 20 minutes, put some headphones on if, if that's what you need to do to focus and just let everything go. Because once everything from here is gone, you will start to feel from your heart or your solar plexus or you'll start to feel things so much clearer because you don't have all this external noise going on that is always flooding our minds. And I, and I think flooding is the right word because I know my mind gets flooded by things I have to do, people I have to respond to, emails I have to reply to, work I have to do. This is the reality of today's world. There's so much to do. But if we made one of those to do things to switch off, we could all benefit so much more from that. And that's how you start to feel from your heart. Yeah, good advice. The meditation part is, for me, one of those buzzwords that, you know, since I picked up my first book about uh, or on spirituality, meditation has been mentioned, right? So yeah. um, I remember when I heard about it the first time, I, I you know, saw these Indian yogis sitting uh, next to a huge river and just sitting there with their paint on their face and, you know, <laughs> sitting there for ages, sitting there in contemplation and, you know, doing whatever they're doing, not really understanding what the purpose was. Yeah. Uh, but I really see the benefit of it, actually. But it, it's more, I had to become more spiritually mature to actually understand what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Right? Because... Or else it's just like this, whoa, whoa, uh, you know, new age stuff. And yeah, right. You meditate. Mm, cool. Yeah. Or it's like these um, Instagram influencer wannabes where they pretend to be something they're not. And meditation and yoga is always the first thing that people like to portray themselves as being experts in um, without actually getting to the core benefits of why people do it. Yeah. Yeah. So have you have you done any meditation yourself? I have. Now I used to be a lot more strict with my meditation. I think it wasn't even it started off as a practice to develop my spiritual gifts and you know to switch off so that I could tune in. Um but now I've actually realized the benefits of it are mainly for my own mental health and my own mental clarity because like I said, you know, my my mind along as most people's minds these days is constantly flooded with all this chaos and external noise just putting that to the side for 20 minutes gives you a fresher starting place to achieve what you have to that day whether that's spiritual whether it's just hanging the washing out to dry it you just do things a lot more calmer um so, yes, I do meditate, but I don't do it the way I probably should. I think it would have a lot more benefit to my spiritual development if I was more strict on myself with it. But I'm getting there. <laughs> That's very <laughs> honest. <laughs> yes. I like that. Yeah. Um, since you've been practicing for six years in these uh, circles, um, do you have any um, experiences uh, like psychic readings that you've done for others that you would like to share? Yes. So we actually touched upon it the last time we spoke the other day. There are two that, probably three, but the one I'm going to mention first is the one that was a pivotal, you know, turning point for me in, in my mediumship development and realizing, wow, this is, this isn't just about me relaying a message. This has to, I have to hold myself in a way that allows for this person to grieve all over again, because 
delivering messages from those that have crossed over. While you're being used as a channel and a vessel for spirit to communicate through, and you have to almost put the pieces together and give all the signs and symbols that are given to you and try to make sense of them, you have to remember the person you're reading for is grieving a loss. Whether that was 10 or 15 years ago, whether that was last year, that you have to deal with these scenarios in a very patient and calm way. So the example I'm going to give, which was my most amazing reading that I've given to date, was was reading for a girl at the Arthur Findlay that was also on my course, but I hadn't had the chance to speak to her properly yet. I think it was like day two or day three. We hadn't crossed paths yet, but we were paired together to give an evidential reading. Um, one of the thir- first things that I saw in my mind's eye, I often close my eyes when I start to connect because it just helps me to not be distracted, of course. I just kept seeing this black and white, almost like a strobe-like flash and connect, like immediately connected that to some sort of mental health condition. I saw that as bipolar disease and I and I relayed and I apologised first because, you know, you we can't sit there diagnosing people or you know but we can just give the messages that we receive so I I said what I was seeing in my mind's eye I described how it was making me feel as though it was some sort of chemical imbalance in the brain and it was the black that was flashing was her dark side and the white was when she was happy and uplifted and eventually this reading gave me the physical sensations of a tightness around my throat which I hadn't felt before and I immediately knew what that was because of the way I was feeling in my stomach from this reading and and the physical sensations I was feeding and I, I was relating it back to the black and white flashing and it was an extremely emotional reading for the sitter of course but for me because I hadn't felt a soul that had crossed over by taking their own life before I actually had to say to the sitter, I'm sorry, I need two minutes just to kind of compose myself again, because I think it's so important when giving readings not to let your own emotions come to play, because then how do you differentiate between souls and your own? Um, I took two minutes aside and I continued the reading. And once we'd gotten through the very heavy stuff of how this person had died and what led to their passing and how they took their own life god bless them my mind was flooded with happy memories and i had visuals in my mind's eye of these two girls holding hands and dancing in a field together and i remember it so vividly these two women were dancing together at what looked like to me a music festival um and they were laying in the grass laughing and after I'd said this and you know I closed up the reading with a message from this soul that was communicating through me and the woman opposite me was just left smiling with tears and she said the memory you just described was the last memory I had with her before she passed away Mm. which I think just goes to show how amazing spirit are in giving the evidence some people need no matter how traumatic it is to relive that for, for the sitter and you know f- for you to feel how someone had passed over it's it's a it's a magical but really tough thing to deal with but spirit are just so intelligent with giving the evidence you need to know who it is and then lightening the mood what you want to hear or what you need to remember this person doing so that was that was an amazing 
reading and I'll never forget it. Did did um, this encounter with a soul that has taken uh, his own life or her, her own life, how did that make you feel like, um, because you're pursuing this uh, career change as a medium, like did you have any thoughts about, okay, how, how am I going to handle this professionally and ethically? I'll be honest with you, starting my mediumship journey and developing and starting to do readings, for some reason, I don't think of the potential things that I'll experience and be delivering. So it was never something that I, and I guess naively, I never thought that I would come across someone that had taken their own life. It's something I've, I don't want to say luckily, but, but I haven't experienced that in my own personal life. So, you know, delivering that message was a learning curve for me because while it makes me emotional, I'm not the person that has experienced this. I may be experiencing the physical sensations from that soul making me feel so I can relay the message correctly with evidence. But that reading made me realize, really try not to let my own emotions get in the way of this. And to really be soft with the messages that you're delivering. You know, I'm I'm a very blunt person in my everyday life. I'm, I say it how it is, or, or I believe I do anyway. I like to be very blunt. But I think doing this work, you have to have so much compassion and so much empathy in delivering these messages because they're not all going to be very light and lovely. That's just, you know, life isn't like that. And unfortunately, the way people pass isn't always of natural causes. So you have to be very empathetic and very patient and also, yeah. also have a human touch at the end i think when you've delivered the message or you can see the person opposite you is in great distress taking a time out from the reading just to be human with them and and to to, to make sure they're okay to continue is very important as well yeah i totally totally agree yeah um you mentioned other experiences as well from these uh, psychic readings do you want to share them yeah so another experience which blew my socks off was I was again giving a reading at the Arthur Findlay for one of my classmates who I was just starting to know but I didn't know anything about their family history or, or where they were from I, I thought he was English um, I was giving him a reading and his grandmother came through and in the reading there were certain words that I I'll be honest I kind of thought they were just gibberish or just nicknames I didn't know they were a different language now the words that I remember one of them was nonna which I believe is um, grandmother in Italian there was two other words that I can't remember um, but these words were Italian which I didn't know and at the end of the reading this guy's face was just like what he was like, that was my nonna. And I was like, what does that word mean? And he was like, it means grandmother in Italian. You spoke Italian. Now, I can barely speak English at the best of times, <laughs> let alone any other languages. So when, you know, our spirit were portraying words to me for me to repeat in another language, that was just amazing. But I think spirit are very intelligent in doing that for people that are either skeptical and need that hardcore evidence. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I believe the person's grandmother was having me say these words in Italian because the person opposite me 
while they were at the Arthur Findlay as well and developing their gifts, they're very much like myself, sceptical, and they need that hardcore evidence to believe. Yeah. And I gave it and I was blown away. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it really is. I love it. I love doing this. And was there a third one as well you wanted to share? Yes, the third one was actually at my um, spiritualist church circle. So the development circle that I attend every month. Um, now, we do this circle a little differently. So where we've trained at the Arthur Findlay to speak when we connect with spirit at this circle, because there's quite a few of us, we would sit in a semicircle with the sitter in front of us and connect him with spirit. But we'd write down what messages we were getting. Now, somehow writing them down makes me question more whether it's coming from myself or souls from another, you know, another plane of consciousness. I just didn't, I didn't believe what I was writing down. I just thought I was writing down a load of rubbish, really. And it was my turn. I was the first person to speak first. So it was, I was up first repeating what I'd written down. And one of the first things I wrote down was Bill which was a name but in the UK sometimes some slang we use for police officers is the old bill so I said I don't know if this is the person's name or if this is their profession whether they're a police officer well it just turned out that the person's name was Bill and he was a police officer now that was the first thing I wrote down and I was like oh my god the person's face was just like just confused and they didn't I guess no one had given a name before I don't know but I gave the name, I gave the profession, and I then gave evidence of how this person was in their physical lifetime. So their personality, how they acted, their relationships, that kind of stuff. But the key evidence for me was I got a name, which I just, I just, I just can't believe it. Sometimes I do readings and I still can't believe that we have this ability to connect with those that have passed over. I've been doing it for years and I still am blown away by it. Yeah, it is amazing. I've I've had a couple of experiences recently in uh, this, the circle I attend uh, with similar experience and it, it is fantastic. And I, I've experienced it so much, uh, so many times. So I kind of just think it's, I wouldn't say normal now, but you know, The, the skeptic in me is, you know, diminishing yes. after after each training session. Yeah. <laughs> like learning to trust my own path. So that that's part of it, isn't it? Learning yeah. to let go and just trust. For sure. And it's difficult to do, but it's key. We have to get there. Yeah. So, uh, Rachel, um, I met you at the Arthur Finney College and... Uh, I also met my um, co-host Nils, uh, who I'm doing this uh, podcast with, and uh, we both Nils and I, uh, not uh, long after that, found out that you were doing your own podcast as well. Yes. So you did uh, a couple of episodes, or three episodes there. Uh, one of them being a paranormal investigation. Yes. Is that something that you? Uh, Want to pursue more of the, the podcast shows? What are your plans in the future? So my podcast has taken a back seat. I won't say unfortunately, because everything happens for a reason. Um, when I had the idea to start my podcast, I was full of ideas and full of passion. But I think like most of us on this path, 
confidence is key and I didn't have the confidence to begin it when I had the confidence to start it my inspiration diminished and just went away so I thought right okay I'll I'll just leave it at my couple of episodes and when you know it's the right time I can start my podcast again but yeah the paranormal investigations is something I love speaking about and I love doing now I get super scared I know spirit are never going to harm us but it seems scary but that's why I love it (laughs) (laughs) well what what part of you actually wants to is it you know trying to convince yourself that this phenomenon is real yes essentially yeah Yeah. so and it's also wanting to convince without forcing people to believe I, I I love evidence I think evidence in this line of work is so crucial you know, believers can hear a message and and they'll be like, wow, I know who that is. Whereas people that really need the message that aren't believers yet or may never be, when they hear that bit of evidence or see that bit of evidence, that's when they open up to listening or or understanding how all this works. So for me, evidence is so crucial. So of course, in the paranormal investigations, I've got all my tools out and I want to capture footage and photography and I want to capture one of the things I want to capture is voice phenomena. Um, so yeah, the the paranormal investigations is is all about the evidence for me, and all about the physical sensations that I feel, and and I do it with my partner. So my my partner isn't a medium, doesn't necessarily, you know, he's open to all of this, but he's not a diehard believer. But when we do this, he's like, whoa, okay, there's something to be said about all of this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. Um, I remember you mentioned some kind of electronic measurement device. Yeah. What What is it? Um, and, and for people not knowing what these voice recordings are, can you touch upon that as well? Of course. So what we did use when we went to um, a haunted hotel in Glastonbury um, was an EMF reader. So an EMF reader is an electronic... I'll find the actual description. I should have prepared this. EMF reader meaning is... It's an electromagnetic field measurement device. So how I've been explained these is by my mum's partner, who is a electrician. So he uses these at work. So what they're used for is to pick up electromagnetic fields or readings from live wires or where electromagnetic currents would be flowing. So but they're also used in um, paranormal investigation. So they can pick up any changes in the frequency um, and spirit will often interfere and set these readings off when when they're nearby. So using my own kind of senses with picking up the paranormal or, or spirit and sensing them physically, whether that be by smell or my physical sensation of when they feel really heavy or my chest is tight, um, we used the EMF reader too. And we went past every single live wire. There was a TV in the room, there were plug sockets, nothing was setting this off, not even our phones. So I was like, okay, this is strange, but you know, I'll leave it by the door where I felt the most energy was. And I was holding my copper dowsing rods, like I explained to you earlier. And I was asking questions. I was like, if there's someone in the room, can you please point to the direction of where your energy is? Now, as soon as I'd said that, they turned to the door, the EMF reader. So that works on um, 
a light reading. So it has different colored bulbs in it. And when the reading spikes, all the lights will flash up. As soon as the copper dowsing rods had turned, the EMF reader reading spiked to the highest reading possible. I was like, oh, oh my goodness, this is happening. Um, so that's what it is. We were using it all night and we had different readings. Some were stronger than others, but majority of them matched up with where my dowsing rods were pointing, which was just amazing. And every time the dowsing rods would move or the EMF reading would spike, we would feel both of us a physical sensation, whether that was wind going past and all the windows and doors were closed, whether it was a chill, whether it was goosebumps. We had everything worked together to give us evidence, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And what about the, the voice uh, phenomena? The voice phenomena is something that I haven't experienced myself yet, but I've known people in TV shows, which I know, take it with a pinch of salt, it's American TV. <laughs> but it's something that has also been used to capture spirit's voice on a digital recording. Um, now, you will know yourself during the trance mediumship and being in the same room as I was when we were doing the readings, the bulbs were flickering and, you know, spirit are very clever at manipulating technology. So I believe from experiencing things that I've watched or heard about that they can also somehow make us hear their voices, how they sounded in the physical human form. It's something that I haven't done yet. But as soon as I capture something, you'll be the first person to receive the recording. So <laughs> nice. Because I think I think it will be pretty amazing to experience hearing their physical voice again. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you use uh, like just a, a regular uh, mobile phone, or do you need special equipment? I think you can. Now, like I say, I haven't experienced it myself yet, but I I know spirits be very intelligent. And I believe if you're capturing the recording for the right reason, I, I don't see why they wouldn't choose to show up on a, vo a voice recording or even through a recording like this. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I've I've heard of um, uh, the phenomenon called reverse speech. Yes. It's uh, similar. Uh, perhaps it's the same. Um, but this was... Um, um, recordings done on uh, tape recorders and where it's very easy to uh, you know reverse the the playback of it yeah and, and some of it you know the skeptic in me still says well you know you can still manipulate manipulate it and if you're looking for a certain word or a certain expect uh, you know you, you expect a certain outcome you can easily find it I was going to say the same thing, I think, yeah. with, with any of this evidential stuff, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. And also, like you say, if you're desperately looking for something, your mind's going to play a trick on you and you're going to hear or see it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's good to have whenever you get evidence like that, whether it's a voice recording or or having someone in the investigation that isn't necessarily like-minded but open to experiencing things like my partner is it gives a very balanced outcome and a non-biased outcome right um rachel i want to dive a little bit more into uh your future plans uh and uh, me and Nils like to interview people on on our podcast, um, and 
finding out what a spiritual journey is for different kinds of people. And uh, you uh, seem like you're taking this very professionally. You've studied this for six years. And probably that journey is just, you know, is, is nonstop. So what, what are your future plans and uh, stuff like that? So, yes, I'm trying to take it as professionally as possible. Um, my future plans. So I've started, I've almost branded myself in a little brand called The Simple Psychic, where, like I said earlier, my mission is to simplify spirituality to those that don't want to hear all the woo-woo stuff. You know, they're just starting out their journey or they're curious or they just want to visit a medium that is very grounded and also a skeptic because although I'm a soul in a human body, I'm still in a human body and my human mind plays a big part in everything that I do. So my future plans are to develop my gifts so that I'm comfortable giving accurate evidential readings to those that are in need, but also to open people's minds up a bit to the magic in their everyday lives from the people that they've lost and to give some sort of hope and belief and enlightenment that life doesn't stop in the physical. We go back home when we cross over, you know, we go back to our original form, which is free of pain, free of suffering, free of all the human negativity that we have every day and free of sickness. Um, so my plans are to develop myself to a point where I can do this. And I've just started, actually, I had my first reading last week, um, which was a practice one. I don't want to charge clients just yet because I don't feel ready yet. But when I do, you know, I can offer it as a service. And also just to have some kind of online space where I can teach people, whether they want a reading or not, just to give them little nuggets of wisdom or information or things that I've learned along, along my journey that will resonate with the everyday person in their everyday life. So that's that's where I'm at and that's where I hope to be in the very near future. That sounds great. So do you have any uh, final advice for people that want to start on this uh, path like yourself? Yes, I do, because I wish I, it's advice that I wish I had taken and I still actually need to take myself. So I think any advice for those that are starting on this journey or are just experiencing their gifts, question a healthy amount without putting yourself down. I think, you know, Googling stuff and reading all the right books and talking to the right people is going to help you get what you need to be. But you can have read every book on spirituality or mediumship in the world. I mean, I've got a whole bookcase full and I still question my ability, even though I know I can do this. I think have confidence, have the guts to move forward in learning and not to halt or stop yourself and trust that spirit know what they're doing and they will come to you at the right time but you have to work with them while they work with you. It's a very two-sided relationship. You can't just sit back and expect to have all the evidence in the world and just sit there and do nothing to develop yourself. You have to get yourself to a point of understanding your own gifts to develop that direct connection with spirit. And another bit of advice, which I keep learning is, it's good to be confident, but we are only human. And, you know, every expert has their off days. 
you could have an expert engineer that one day just they just can't face what they're doing it's like that in every field and in every part of our human life we're not perfect we're human while we're working with the divine and i like to believe they're perfect we're the vessel we're not going to be on our best every single reading every single day and that is fine as long as you're honest with yourself and honest with the sitter that's all you can do yeah any courses or resources that you can recommend the arthur finley college (laughs) (laughs) a million percent um and i would say you know give these new age bookshops a chance i think a lot of a lot of all the books on my bookshelf are from um a bookshop called courtyard books in glastonbury where my mum lives so i'm in glastonbury all the time and you know it's known as being the heart chakra of the world glastonbury is a very spiritual place but i think a lot of people visiting may go in those bookshops and think oh what a load of crap what a load of rubbish you know who's written these give them a chance because some of these books they've carried me through my journey over the past six years i think talk to like-minded people be very open and be a sponge soak up every bit of inspiration wisdom knowledge that you can and then you can filter through what doesn't resonate with you or that doesn't agree with your beliefs but just soak all the information up that's the only way to move forward and keep practicing right um one last thing that uh, still boggles my mind so even though i've been doing this for many many years the the skepticism and you know how to um discern what is right and wrong or true or false how do is there any advice uh, you know how to improve that i think so so something that i've done in my own journey and my own development is like i said i'm very skeptical and it's healthy to be so skeptic um i will ask spirit to give me some sort of physical sensation that i cannot deny now when i'm giving a reading and i start to question myself a bit i will get tingles all down my arms or down my spine which i call the confirmation tingles every time i get a bit of information correct or i need that confidence i feel spirit they give me goosebumps they give me tingles and and that's my sign to know to stop questioning myself and to just let them flow through me I think if you are a skeptic and you can't differentiate between your own mind and what you're channeling or receiving from spirit, just ask them. Ask them for a bit of evidence or ask them for a physical sensation that you can carry through to every other reading you do that you can then decipher, right, okay, they've given me my confirmation tingles. Stop questioning and just let it happen. So I think, like I said, it's a two-way relationship. We have every right to ask spirit to make it easier for us. And they will because we need to deliver their messages and we're their vessel. So just ask. Mm. Good advice. Yeah. Um, where can people reach you? Do you have like an Instagram, Facebook, in case they want to reach out to you? I do. So my Instagram account is at the simple psychic underscore. And I can also be reached by email at rachel at the simple where that's where I'm taking my readings um, and my bookings. A website is in the works. Right. But not there yet. But yes, my Instagram and my email address.